Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Seven words that'll scare any politician. Roy Green is holding on line one. The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network continues. We're going to start tomorrow's program with a survivor of Hurricane Katrina from New Orleans, a man who uh, was there for the entire experience of Katrina and uh, had a business and is continuing with that business some 12 years later. How does he react emotionally when he finds out about Irma and Harvey heading at the United States? What's the emotional response from people who survived Katrina? We'll start the show with that tomorrow. Dr. Bjorn Lomborg is frequently uh, asked for on this program by listeners. They have received uh, quite a few emails since the um, hurricane issue began. And uh, folks saying, why don't you get Dr. Lomborg back on the show? It's easy to ask. He's a very busy man. Uh, We're going to talk to Dr. Lomborg now about how governments should spend their money smarter and uh, get an increase in return on investment in health and air pollution and infrastructure and In climate, Dr. Stephen Hawking claims the U.S. withdrawal from the Paris Climate Treaty, quote, could push the Earth over the brink to become like Venus with a temperature of 250 degrees Celsius. Dr. Lomborg is an environmentalist, Time Magazine's list of 100 most influential people in the world. He's the head of the Copenhagen Consensus Center think tank, the author of How Much Have Global Problems Cost the World, Cool It, which is also a great film, and how to spend $75 billion to make the world a better place. Dr. Lomborg, it's good to have you back on the show. Roy, it's great to be back. And the pause is Dr. Lomborg's in Prague. I'm in Hamilton, Ontario, and that's what happens. Uh, first question out of the gate, when we just talked with a, with a uh, climate scientist about this, I'd like your thoughts on it. We have Harvey in Houston, we have uh, Irma attacking uh, Florida after having devastated some Caribbean islands. Are these storms, are, are, are record-breaking storms going to be the new normal? Some people are saying there'll be fewer storms, but they'll be more intense because of global warming. What do you say? Well, uh, it's probably true, that, and, and that's certainly what our models show us, that w- there'll be probably fewer and probably stronger hurricanes. But this is not what we can see right now. Uh, actually, over the last 150 years, we've seen a decline in major landfalling uh, U.S. hurricanes. And that's also true for uh, any other number of them, uh, four and five, category four and five, or two, three, four, five, or even all of the hurricanes. So this is certainly not what we've seen so far. And again, remember, when people are saying, oh, you know, global warming is causing Irma and, and Harvey, you also have to then say that global warming cost the last 12 years of no major hurricane landfalling in the U.S. You can't have one or the other. And so this is really a question of of short memory. There will probably be an impact in the long run, but this is not what we're seeing now. It makes me think of of Al Gore. Now, just looking at something that you wrote in uh, Lomborg.com, promoting his climate change film, An Inconvenient Sequel, former U.S. Vice President Al Gore likes to say, that the nightly news has become a nature hike through the book of revelations 
And you write, he's not the only one touting an apocalypse. In a much-shared story, New York Magazine warned that famine, economic collapse, and a sun that cooks us will happen as soon as the end of this century, as parts of the earth will likely become uninhabitable and other parts horrifically inhospitable. Then you have Stephen Hawking saying, and again, I, I got this from your site, that global warming could push the earth over the brink to become like Venus with a temperature of 250 degrees Celsius. Are they smoking something, or do they have something? <laughs> well, it's certainly way over the top. The reality is that global warming is a problem. It is also something we should fix, but we need to get a sense of proportion. And certainly when we're talking just about hurricanes, this is not the major reason why we should do something about global warming. If you want to do something about hurricanes, there are much, much simpler things like making sure you have better infrastructure, you have better uh, zoning, you have better building codes, uh, you don't subsidize uh, people to build irresponsibly. There are very simple things to do. But when you're talking about these more general arguments, you know, the, the earth is, is, is coming over the brink and we'll see you know, the end and, and we won't be able to live anywhere, that's just simply ridiculous. That's not what the UN climate panel, the IPCC tells us. They actually tell us that we will see a cost of global warming uh, towards the 2070s of somewhere between 0.2 and 2% of GDP. Now, that's a problem, but it's by no means the end of the world. And they actually also say one other thing. They say, when you compare this to most other issues in the world, it will actually be a fairly small part of the impact. And that, that's worth you know, just realizing the UN climate panel tells us that this is by no means the most important issue that the world is going to be faced with. Well, let's talk about the world's most important issues and how governments should in fact be spending their money so that there's a return on money and so that people of the world actually benefit from that particular spending. When you and I spoke, immediately prior to the Paris Conference on Climate and immediately following the Conference on Climate, you spoke about the, uh, the appropriate investment of, uh, of trillions of dollars and how the Paris Accord was not going to accomplish what the, what the news releases and the promotional material said it would. Yeah, I mean, look, the Paris Climate Accord, everybody believes that it's going to you know, make, make sure that we will reduce temperatures to two degrees or maybe even one and a half, which was what they were dangling in front of us. Just to give you a sense of how unrealistic that is, if we wanted to cut temperatures to just 1.5 degrees, we'd have to stop civilization in four years. We'd have to stop using fossil fuels anywhere on the planet. Remember, that would make half of the world's population starve, but it would also basically stop everything you like. What it will actually achieve is about 1% of the two-degree target. So it will achieve 1% of what they're promising. And yet the cost, as you just mentioned, will be phenomenal. This is why I think we need to start asking, why are we spending this much money on doing this little good when there's clearly so many other challenges out there that also deserve our attention very clearly, you know, the tuberculosis, just to take one thing, simple disease that we know how to fix. It's the world's biggest infectious killer. It kills 1.6 million people each year, and we know how to deal with it. For about $8 billion a year, we could save almost everyone, not everyone, but almost everyone from tuberculosis. Why is it 
We don't fix that, but we still spend $20, $30 billion on climate aid to third world countries, which they very clearly tell us is not their first priority. And, and as you've said, uh, Dr. Lomborg, what uh, children in third, third world countries need is not solar panels. They need antibiotics. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there, there was a, a big uh, UN survey that actually asked almost 10 million people across the world, what do you want to prioritize? And not very surprisingly, they told us that the top priorities were to get better education, health, and food. Those are the most important issues for most people around the world. And of the 16 options they got from the UN, they put climate at the very bottom as number 16. Again, this doesn't mean, you know, we're, we're an advanced civilization. We can walk and chew gum. We can also do number 16. But when you talk to most people in the rich world, when you talk to most political leaders, you almost get this sense that climate change is the most important issue, whereas, of course, for most people around the world, it's the least important of the very, very simple things that we could do, and also the ones that would be much cheaper and help people much, much more. Take a quick break, and we'll come back and we'll talk more with Dr. Bjorn Lomborg about how governments are spending billions of dollars and over the years trillions of dollars and whether or not, or how much of it is being spent effectively, and where the money should be spent in order to improve education, to improve global health, to improve all of the global infrastructures. And uh, I've just been reading about all of this on uh, Dr. Lomborg's uh, site, Lomborg.com. Just go there, Lomborg.com. And uh, he's the head of the Copenhagen Consensus Center Think Tank, and it was named uh, Think Tank of the Year by the um, US, it was awarded U.S. International Affairs Think Tank of the Year by Prospect Magazine, and that's copenhagenconsensus.com. Back with Dr. Bjorn Lomborg from Prague in just a minute. Standing up for the little guy for the greater good. This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Thank you for making us uh, part of your weekend, a uh, very eventful weekend with Hurricane Irma. Uh, about to assault Florida, and uh, Anthony Farnell will be back with us tomorrow, Global uh, National's chief meteorologist, who was with us from the Tampa area. In the last hour, my guest is Dr. L Bjorn Lomborg, environmentalist, again, Time Magazine's list of 100 most influential people in the world, the head of the Copenhagen Consensus Center think tank, and the author of, among other books, Cool It, which is also an excellent film. Now, Dr. Lomborg, looking to his site, argues in The Australian that climate scares have a real cost. They encourage us to engage in phenomenally expensive and unhelpful climate policies while ignoring the smaller, cheaper, and much more realistic ways to respond to both this climate and challenges that are much more pressing. Dr. Lomborg, governments, as you write, spend billions and billions of dollars in uh, trying or at least promising to improve health and education and infrastructure. How far are they missing the mark and what do they need to do? <laughs> that, that's a very hard question to answer straight up because that would actually require us to do analysis across all these different areas. But what we try to do, we work with more than three of the world's top economists and seven Nobel laureates in economics to assess where can you do more good so we work, for instance, in Bangladesh, a 
huge country, 160 million people, uh, and talking about where can you spend more money and do really a lot of good for every tax dollar spent. That's both Canadian aid dollars, but mostly actually what Bangladeshis themselves are going to be spending. And what we found was that there were some incredibly good policies and there are some pretty darn bad policies. And of course, then our point is to say, look, let's try to focus on the really smart ones. Just to give you one example, lots of corruption in uh, procurement. Uh, this sounds incredibly boring, but procurement makes up about half of all government spending in the third world. And if you could make it slightly less corrupt, you could actually get much, much more value for your money. We found a way to do that. It's simply making it digital. So you can bid online. It makes it a little harder to screw over uh, the taxpayers. And we estimate that you could save about $700 million every year in Bangladesh. The point here is, these are simple, smart policies. The Bangladeshis are now actually implementing this, and it will generate a lot of good. Compare this to climate policies and what we just talked about before uh, when we talk about you know, Hurricane uh, Irma. It's much, much more sexy to talk about Irma than it is to talk about procurement in Bangladesh. However, if you actually want to help, it's much, much more effective to focus on the cheap and incredibly effective policies. You also uh, initiated a study on Canada's relationship and support of Haiti, the people of Haiti and the country of Haiti. And, uh, and, and talk to us about that, please. Yes. So, so again, we actually did this project for the Canadian Development Agency exactly because since the earthquake back in 2010, the terrible earthquake, uh, Canada has spent almost a billion dollars in Haiti, and yet the feeling is that they haven't gotten as much back as they would like to. It's hard to tell exactly how much have gotten better. So we work with a lot of people in Haiti to look at where can you spend extra dollars from Canada or, and also gourds from that's the national currency in Haiti. So where can you actually do a lot more good? One of the things we found was that if you get more micronutrients, to, uh, into wheat. It's a very simple way of essentially getting a vitamin pill out to everyone. That could save about 150 lives each year, mostly uh, kids that are being born, and it would save about 250,000 to a quarter million people uh, from being anemic. The cost would be $5 million over the next 10 years. So it's a very cheap pro project, which would do a lot of good. The Haitian president loved this, because we could show analysis that this was one of the very best and most effective things you could do. Canada loved it. USAID is on board. And this is now happening again. So it's about focusing on the boring, but again, incredibly impactful policies. On an overall basis, are we making progress or are we slipping back? Are we being led by leaders or are we being led around by the opportunistic and the basically... I hate to say this, but no, I don't. Uninformed. I think you asked two different questions. Uh, we're often led by people who are not necessarily focused on the best, uh, on our best interest. But actually, overall, the world is dramatically on a great trajectory. Remember, just 30 years ago, the world had about 25% of the inhabitants were poor, that is below $1 as it was in 1985, now it's $1.90. So we had about 25% were poor. 
Today, that number is, that proportion is less than 10%. Over the last 200 years, we've seen a dramatic drop from more than 90% of the world being poor to less than 10% being poor. We see that in, in health. We see that we, we live about twice as long as we did in 1900. We have much more calories. We actually have lower air pollution, uh, believe it or not. Yes, we have bigger outdoor air pollution, but we have much less indoor air pollution, which is much more uh, dangerous. And so if you look across the world on most of the important indicators, we see that the world is dramatically improving. This is mostly because we're technologically smart and we develop things that actually help everyone. The point, for me at least, is to make sure that policies help us do even more good rather than ending up focusing on the things like uh, Irma saying, should we cut a ton of CO2, which will help almost nothing for future victims of hurricanes, but which will cost quite a bit? Or should we focus on the simple cheap things like infrastructure? One uh, last question for you. So we're making progress globally. Things are improving. And yet we manage to be at each other's throats. And uh, it's a very wobbly world now. What do you, what's your thinking on that? I've heard people say this is the most dangerous the world has been in, in many a decade. It, it's true in some way. There's, there's some things we should be very concerned about. Uh, so obviously nuclear war, uh, uh, the, the whole idea of what will have would happen with biological warfare, those kinds of things. I think there are some things that we should be much, much more concerned about. Also remember, we had a great pandemic back in uh, 1918, uh, killed about 60 million people. Uh, we seem to be woefully underprepared uh, for those kinds of problems. But fundamentally, again, remember that the world was much, much more dangerous just 50 years ago, many, many more people died from war, uh, pestilence, pretty much everything you want to look at than do today. So, yes, we should definitely be focused on some of these issues, and I think we're under-focusing on them exactly because we're focused instead on, for instance, the global warming threat from Irma. All right. While it's a real threat, we're dramatically exaggerating it. Dr. Lomborg, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you so much for the time today. Thank you. Dr. Bjorn Lomborg, environmentalist. Uh, his books include How Much Have Global Problems Cost the World? Cool It! and How to Spend $75 billion to Make the World a Better Place. Go to Lomborg.com, L-O-M-B-O-R-G.com. When we come back, it's Catherine Swift, Linda Leatherdale, and Michelle Simpson, Beauties and the Beast. Interest rates are going up, and if you're selling a house, stand by for an increased cost because government's going to be in your pocket. We'll come right back.